the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Loving God is not enough because true love of God means loving others. So you can't just say, I have nothing to do with other people, don't like them, can't stand them, but I love God. No, you don't. Join us now for Grace to the Bay as we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher, Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio outreach of Grace Church of the Bay Area located in San Mateo. If you are blessed by Dr. Chen's message and are looking for a church home, you're invited to come worship with them. Now, here is Dr. Chen. That leads us to our second foundational aspect, knowledge, and that is the antithesis of knowledge. The antithesis of knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. The end of verse 1. Wait, 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 wait. So what... Does knowledge and love have to do with whether I can eat that meat or not? To kiss or not? Drink or not? What does love have to do with this? Everything. Everything. Remember, we're laying a foundation here. And like the foundation of an award-winning architectural building, the foundation, which is just usually rebar and concrete, looks nothing like the structure it will hold up to the degree that it almost seems irrelevant, but we all know how important it is. No matter how beautiful, how many awards that building has won, you will not step foot in there if you know it has no foundation. So, why is knowledge, knowing facts, even theological facts, even Scripture, not enough? Because knowledge, Paul says, makes arrogant, literally puffed up with hot air like a, like a balloon. In other words, knowing these things is not enough because if you just stop at knowledge and do not add love, it just makes you proud for knowing. In other words, there's no consideration of others, including God, if you just stop at knowledge. And we know people like this who just give us the facts to justify anything they want to do. But on the other hand, the antithesis, Paul adds that love edifies or builds up, not you, but others. Knowledge does something negative to you. It just puffs you up. Love edifies others. And we know that Christianity is all about others. And this is because love takes into account the facts, the knowledge, yes, but goes beyond them to consider what may be going on in another person's life. It's not that we disregard or twist the truth to accommodate others, but we must couple our knowledge with true biblical love. If we don't, then we will arrogantly disregard others' feelings, edification, and situations, including their past experiences. We see this in the Corinthians. Then we see this in the church now. People who are confronted for something they said that was discouraging or hurtful, well, what I said was true, and I didn't mean to hurt you, so my conscience is clear, so it's okay. It doesn't matter that your wife spent three days crying because I hurt her. And yet the irony is that those who stop at knowledge are somehow quick to pass judgment on others based on their assumptions without knowing the facts. 
And that goes back to the reality because knowledge makes arrogant. I think this is worse today because of our sense of self-entitlement. But the Christian life, friends, is not a criminal investigation or a legal contract where we just want the legal facts. We want love. We must love. See, love is empty of pride. Love considers others as more important than yourselves, Philippians 2. Love seeks to help. Love seeks to strengthen. Love seeks to encourage. Love seeks to protect others, not just protect your own reputation if that means crushing them or tearing them down. Protects others. You know, somehow in our clinging to sound doctrine in a world where even evangelicals are dismissing God's truth, we have somehow started to equate doctrine, theology, greater knowledge of the Scriptures with maturity. And yet over and over again, God tells us that it's not knowledge, but love that shows a growing and healthy relationship with Him. We must have knowledge. We must know the truth of the Scriptures. That's how we practice love, based on that truth. But if we don't put that knowledge into practice with biblical, self-sacrificing love, then we are just feeding our egos and become not a help to others, but a danger. I did not say we become not a help to others, but a non-help. You become a danger. You hurt people. Knowledge alone makes us steamroll over others' convictions or impose our own. Can I be frank with you as your pastor? I find this especially true in churches like ours. Half of our members left churches because they were or were becoming liberal or seeker-sensitive, so they came to us, and I praise God for that. And the result is that we cling to the truth. We hold fast to knowledge. But the temptation is then to take that knowledge and abuse God's Word by judging our former churches or beating the other member, the former members and pastors over the head with it. You should do this. You're doing this wrong in an unloving way. And perhaps in a twisted form of taking this to the next level, we start idolizing the man whose books and sermons taught us the truth. MacArthur, Sprawl, Washer, Lawson, whomever. We must be careful. Speak the truth. Be passionate for God's glory. Hate heresy. But when you address people, do it in love. Don't throw bombs over the walls of the church. And may I give a warning to those of you who got excited by what I just said, especially when I mentioned those names, because you like to criticize these men simply because you're annoyed by those who appreciate them, you too, my friend, misunderstand the roles of knowledge and love. There must be a balance between both. Love without truth is subjective and unbiblical. Truth without love is disobedience and has nothing to do with God. You can say His name, you can quote His word, but without love, as we'll see in 1 Corinthians 13, it is absolutely worthless. And what's more, Paul gives us descriptions in that chapter that is actually quite annoying. Well, Paul goes on to say this even more clearly in our third point, our third foundational aspect of knowledge to understand Christian liberty, and that is the affliction of knowledge. The affliction of knowledge. Look at verse 2. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he is not yet known as he ought to know. The truly wise man, the truly knowledgeable and wise individual recognizes how little he actually knows, recognizes how ignorant he really is. If you take a step back, you will realize that nobody knows everything about everything. 
That's impossible. You may be an expert in your field, and no matter how proficient we may be in any number of topics, we are all naive about many other things. True maturity and knowledge is found in recognizing not only what you are naive about, but that you are, in fact, naive. Some of you have heard me tell you this before. I like to use the phrase, know what you don't know. What I mean by that is don't go pursue greater knowledge about things you're ignorant about. Know what you don't know means recognize what you are ignorant about and stop trying to wax eloquent or more to our context, counsel or advise other Christians when you, in fact, have no idea what you're talking about. We like to do that all the time because our pride refuses to let us say, I don't know, or to look dumb. And here's the reality. Not only in the church context, but even in the secular world, no one thinks you're dumb for not knowing certain things. No one thinks you're dumb for not knowing who's playing in the Super Bowl. No one thinks you're dumb uh, for not knowing the details of mass or coronavirus. No one does that. We're not in junior high. It's just you yourself that are afraid because of the fear of man. Know what you don't know. Understand that you're naive. It's noble and mature to say, I don't know. Let me get back to you. Or just stay quiet because... You have nothing to contribute. You know, and therein lies the problem with those who think they have great knowledge but don't love. Their pride drives them to speak on matters of which they would do well to keep quiet because they read an article about something or they read a book on something. They just want to argue. They just want to fight. They just want to look smart. I'm thankful for people who are book smart. But the problem is when we only seek being book smart, you don't love properly because you don't know people. You're not listening. Oh, this is what you're going through? Well, this and this says this, and this book says this, and this person says this, and this verse says this. And you sit back and you say, well, this guy, I hope he stops talking soon because he's just making things worse because he hasn't even taken a moment to listen to my side, what I'm going through, why this happened. And then you listen and you say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know that. Yeah, my, my friend had a miscarriage too and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It's not the same. It's not the same. Some people handle it well. Some people don't. Some people are strengthened in their faith. Some people realize they're not believers. You need to love. Don't just vomit out facts. And the whole time, verse 2, they don't realize how ignorant they actually are. And what Paul is saying is that no matter how knowledgeable you are, if you are a Christian and do not seek to edify with love, then you are definitely not as mature as you think. To give you a preview, the next verse actually even says you might not even be a believer. Whenever you hurt other Christians with knowledge, you are not exhibiting true Christian knowledge because true Christian knowledge is inseparable from the loving application of it. In fact, true Christian knowledge is inseparable from God's love, which is why He gave it to us in the first place, made it all applicable through the death of Christ. We are to speak the truth, yes, but in love. And you're familiar with that phrase, aren't you? Speak the truth in love, speaking the truth in love, literally from Ephesians chapter 4. We are to be those who are speaking the truth in love, verse 15. In fact, I'd like you to turn there, Ephesians 4, 15. He says, but speaking the truth in love. And we say this. We say this a lot because we want to speak the truth, and that's good. We say this a a lot because we want to remind ourselves and others that We speak the truth, but we need to be more loving, and that's good. But have you ever really thought about the context or looked at the context? That phrase, speaking the truth in love, serves as a hinge between knowing God's truth, knowledge, so that you are not swayed by false doctrine on one side, 
and spiritual growth and building up the body on the other side. Let's read the whole context, verses 14 through 16. We are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. Yes, knowledge is important. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. No truth, but there's a purpose to it, and it's not just to feed your ego. So knowledge, when properly understood, strengthens our faith, but also builds up the body. Neither of those are possible when we are arrogant, because neither of those are possible without love. And this is a practical tip for those who love the preaching and love the Bible studies, but that's it. 11 months of shelter in place, 11 months you have not contacted another person in church. You have not joined a small group. You have not interacted with anyone because, hey, I came to Grace Church of Bay Area to be fed because I came from weak church and I just want to know, no, 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 no. What's the point of knowing if you're not applying, if you're not reaching out, if you're not calling, if you're not interacting? The person that Paul is describing in 1 Corinthians 8.2 does the opposite of the things we're talking about. He's just proud. He has knowledge. Again, when confronted on sin, he genuinely thinks he has not sinned. And instead of repenting, they are irritated and defensive because I I know, I know, you're wrong, I know. And that just further exposes their sinful disposition and spiritual immaturity because they consider themselves so knowledgeable. They think they are perfect or at least more perfect than you. How dare you talk to my life? I know, I've memorized, I can recite. So they're fine criticizing others but refuse to receive it. And again, because they themselves do not understand that knowledge and love go hand in hand, they've never exhibited love, they've never experienced love, and so you're using your knowledge and love by confronting them so that they will become more like Christ is a totally foreign thing to them. They don't get it. They don't understand. They've never practiced or experienced or at least understood what they could have experienced, that knowledge and love working together as we all strive to help one another. The person that Paul is describing here may use sound doctrine in correcting others, but not out of love or for the other's spiritual growth, perhaps just to show off what they know, to feel good about themselves, a sense of self-satisfaction, or even personal vengeance in a form of spiritual mugging that uses the Bible in lieu of a knife or a gun. And that person that Paul is describing here has the right knowledge but lacks understanding He knows much, perhaps more than you and I, but remains an ignoramus. True knowledge, on the other hand, does not know everything and knows it. True knowledge keeps one humble rather than proud of his achievement of such knowledge. True knowledge does not fall into the trap of self-deception, but engages in biblical self-deprecation. And as embarrassing or encouraging, depending on what kind of knowledge you have, this may all be on a social plane. We know that there's something so much more important than what other people think. And our last point clarifies that what is at stake is most important. Our fourth foundational aspect of knowledge is the absolute of knowledge. The absolute of knowledge. We've seen the availability Everyone knows. 
Idols is not real. The antithesis of knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. The affliction of knowledge. Those who only know don't truly know. And fourthly and finally, the absolute of knowledge. The absolute of knowledge. Verse 3. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. The absolute of knowledge is not our knowledge, but God's knowledge. The absolute of knowledge is not knowing, but being known. I think we'd all agree that we would rather be known by God than to be the most knowledgeable person in the world. Paul is quite clear that it is not our smarts that make us known by God, but our love, our love for Him. In other words, loving God is the way to come to be known by God. And the word Paul, the word Paul uses here speaks of an abiding state of recognition by God. We saw this at the end of the Q&A. God will never stop loving you once you are known by Him in a saving way. We know John 14, 21, who, that says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. In other words, you will know him. He will know you. You say, but there it goes again. Commandments. Know his commandments and do, do the rules. No. What is the greatest commandment? And what is the second greatest commandment that is like it? Keeping the commands of God is loving doing everything else out of love, choosing the right side of a gray area out of love. Now remember, we're talking about Christian liberty as it pertains to preferring others. Loving God is not enough because true love of God means loving others. So you can't just say, I have nothing to do with other people, don't like them, can't stand them, but I love God. No, you don't. For one to claim a love for their Creator while harboring a hatred of His creation is a logical fallacy. You think what you're doing makes sense, but it does not. Turn to the end of your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John speaks of love and hatred, knowing God and not being of God very clearly. 1 John chapter 2 verses 10 and 11 says, The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness. And walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Turn ahead a page or two to chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. If someone says, quote, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. And notice that the connection goes both ways. Just as a true love for God will be exhibited by a love for others, so too a love for others that flows out of a need for self-approval or a desire for companionship is not true love because it's selfish. But let's get back to the context as we come to a close here. What does this all have to do with gray areas and specifically eating meat offered to idols? Now, we'll unpack this as Paul becomes more clear about the specific issue in the weeks to come. But he's saying that once you have sound theology in your head, 
it's easy to abuse it by not being considerate of others. In other words, the people who are fine, the Christians who are fine eating this kind of meat in front of others who may are Christians, but you eating that meat or even going to that certain vendor to buy that meat causes them to stumble because of their past, well, you're not loving. But you have the right knowledge about the fact that it's just meat. Idols are not real, but so does that individual who you may cause to stumble. But the way that you are using that knowledge is not loving because you are hiding behind your theology to ignore the fact that you are hurting other Christians. Other Christians who may be reminded of their previous lifestyle and paganism when they watch their brethren eat that meat. And so, you see how this applies to other gray areas. I know, I know the Bible does not say drinking is sin. In fact, Paul recommends a little wine for Timothy's stomach. And I know I am not supposed to get drunk, but I was beaten by my parents because they were alcoholics. And I just can't grasp in my mind a Christian doing that. That's hypothetical. You get it grab a hand, pull her in. She freaks out. I know, I know you're different than my last boyfriend. I know that it's not wrong, but I got to tell you something about what my last boyfriend did to me, what my uncle did to me, what whoever did to me. Bible says we can do these things. Bible says, Bible looks at the Song of Solomon. It's not loving. Just the facts. Just the facts. That's not enough. And all told, The person, not the person who struggles with this. We all struggle with this to some degree. But the person who absolutely does not love at all but knows the Scriptures, it's an indication that they aren't known by God because God and God's people exhibit love. It's part and parcel of our spiritual DNA. I mean, what's the point? What's the point as a Christian or non-Christian to study the the Bible in depth and especially as a Christian and not to apply it out of love? How does it even make sense? How can you even read this and not say, I need to put this down and go apologize to so-and-so, go give this person so-and-so, to pay back so-and-so, to give this person a hug, to pray for this person? How do you not do that? How, how do you read the end of the Gospels and go, hey, well, the body contains this many liters of blood and Jesus, oh, and pressure points. Oh, the Romans knew what they were doing because the crucifixion was especially painful. And, oh, yeah, three days, that's 72 hours. Are you kidding me? How do you not explode and just say, I need a love? Why? Why? Just read more, read more. Give me more books. Give me more books. I've read everything by authors that are still alive today, and so go back. Calvin, Luther, Zwingli, give it all, give it all to me. Why? What's the point if you're not going to apply it out of love? We're not called to be Christian bookworms. Hey, you want to come fellowship? No, no, I've got to catch up on my uh, uh, Steve Lawson YouTube blogs. Hey, oh, no, no, you know, this part, there's, a, there's a, this conference going on. I want to catch it. Those things are good, but you get what I'm saying here. I don't see the point. What's the point? What's the point of me doing this if, I, if I'm not saying what I'm saying? if I don't give a pastoral spin because I know you guys are struggling with this, if I don't call you, if I don't give my disciples homework, if I don't, what's the point? Just study. You've you've sat through sermons like that where it's not applicable at all because they just give you the Greek and the Hebrew and the facts. Why spend hours 
studying how to practice law. Ten hours a day studying and memorizing laws when you were disbarred last year and the bar doesn't even recognize you as a lawyer. There's no point. Why purchase and study with thousands of dollars of medical equipment if you've lost your medical license and you're not recognized as a physician by the Board of Medicine? And why? Why study the Word and embrace solid doctrine if you're not recognized by the Father because you don't love? The absolute of knowledge is not knowing. It's being known. Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you because of your saving grace that we are known by you. I pray that we would not just feed our minds, but we will feed our minds and embrace solid doctrine because we love you so that we will love you more. Help us to understand that loving you and loving others is inseparable. Lord, if we are those types who have just absolutely adored shelter in place because we don't like being with other people, help us turn from that. If we're those who just like to spend time with others and not spend time with you and learn true doctrine and are willing to compromise the truth to appease what we believe are the spiritual needs of others, may we repent. Help us to practice biblical worship and biblical fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live streamed services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.